You're listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. So I want to welcome, I want to call you back. We're about to start. Please stand with me as we read the scripture today in honor of God's word. And we're going to be reading from Acts 16, verses 16 to 19. So you can follow along or look on the screen. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Hi, my name is Marty. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so great to join with you in worship this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you speak to us through it. We thank you for the way that you are still freeing people today as we here, as we study the scripture, as we hear the stories of your work around the world, uh, we ask that you will just speak to us and inspire us this morning. Amen. Okay, so we're in the middle of a series called Witness, and we're reading through the book of Acts and looking at the ways the early church shared the good news of Jesus around the Greco-Roman world. And we, this morning, we're going to briefly look at this story. And then, because it's Mission Sunday, we're going to tell stories about how CA Church is involved both locally and globally in sharing the good news of Jesus around the world. Now, our story this morning takes place in the Greek city of Philippi. And although we just read a small portion of the text, if you read the whole chapter, you'll see that three people's lives were radically transformed by Jesus. And and each person is impacted by the good news of Jesus, and that news is brought to them by some willing followers of Jesus, Paul and Silas, along with our storyteller, Luke. And these followers of Jesus are committed to listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit directs them to leave where they live, which is in Antioch, and make the long journey to Greece, to the city of Philippi. And the three people whose lives are transformed are very different than each other. There's Lydia. She's a wealthy woman who already is a follower of the one true God of Israel, but she doesn't know about Jesus. And all she needs is Paul and Silas to tell her about Jesus. She opens her heart to him and she's saved. Then we have this young girl who's enslaved by a spirit and by human owners. And finally, there's a jailer who turns to Jesus when Paul and Silas model the character of Jesus to him by valuing his life over their own. These three are transformed by Jesus in very different ways. And this is not surprising because God knows each person uniquely. He knows what they need in order to 
hear his invitation. And as we share the good news, we trust that God through his spirit is giving us wisdom to share it in such a way that it connects with the person we're talking to. Now, for the sake of time, I can't focus on all these three stories, but I encourage you to read the whole passage later on. So we're gonna focus on this young girl that Paul and Silas meet in the marketplace. She's poor, she's oppressed, she's enslaved, she's possessed by an unclean spirit, which enables her to predict the future. And her masters have figured out how to t make a lot of money on her ability, or maybe her disability. They exploit her vulnerability instead of trying to help her. And there are modern equivalents to this like drug dealers who take advantage of fatherless young boys and get them involved in gangs, or cocoa plantations in West Africa where poor children are used as slave labor to provide cheap chocolate for the West, or procurers who make money off the bodies of young, attractive girls. Jesus comes to bring freedom to all who are held captive by evil and by oppression. And when this young girl encounters Paul and Silas, it appears she recognizes something in them. I think that the unclean spirit within in her recognizes the Holy Spirit in them. And she exclaims, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And Luke says she follows them around for many days, just popping up whenever they're speaking to make her announcement. Now, many versions of the text will translate Paul's mood at this point as annoyed. So Paul's annoyed that she's following him around. And for, it, we don't know why, but for several days she does this and he doesn't pray for her. Finally, he gets so annoyed that he stops and he prays. And he prays and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the unclean spirit leaves her immediately. She's, fi she's finally free. She's free. Um, spiritually, there's no unclean spirit troubling her. But now she can no longer prophesy, and she's no longer of any use to her masters. And so she's also freed from this exploitative system that has trapped her. The good news of Jesus brings freedom. And Jesus declared this himself in Luke 4, 18 and 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The power of Jesus working through Paul and Silas set this young girl free. Now, sometimes in the modern West, it's easy to forget about the powers and principalities that are active and working in partnership with human evil. Her masters exploit her, they hold her captive, but there's more going on than just what we see on the human level. Human evil, or sin, works in conjunction with the powers and principalities to make oppression even greater. But the gospel, when it comes, it brings freedom. It brings from Sedan, freedom from sin, freedom from human evil, and freedom from the powers and principalities. And the gospel brings flourishing. It brings freedom and joy and peace. Leslie Newbigin, who was a 20th century theologian and missionary, reflected on the underlying motivations for mission work. 
He believed that the primary motive is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is on the boundary between God's reign and the devil's usurped power. Right on the boundary where God is pushing back on evil and establishing his kingdom. And this is exactly where Paul and Silas were located, on the front line between the kingdom of God and the power of evil. And when the kingdom of God is established, it disrupts systems of oppression and enslavement. And there are many here, even in the Tri-Cities, who need this kind of liberation. And I'm gonna let you see a story today of a woman named Steph who attends our Real, Rail City campus and she recently shared her story with Cam. So turn your attention to the screen. I moved to BC in March of 2022. I was feeling pretty like spiritually lost and I was searching for um, something to fill that void. You know, it's like that empty feeling. So I started um, practicing yoga. I did my yoga teacher training in Nicaragua, but that's when I started to kind of open up to um, other forms of um, spirituality. I started to learn about the chakras. I started to learn about meditation. I started to learn about um, the moon and astrology, um, breath work, all of those things. I just dove like headfirst into it um, to the point where I actually was a spiritual life coach for um, almost two years. I did not think I was in, in any sort of religion. I thought I was above that, right? In fact, um, I was very triggered by the word religion. I was triggered by Christianity. I was triggered by Jesus. You think you're connecting to like gods and goddesses and the universe and higher source and power or your higher self. You're really opening portals for demons to come in. And so that's essentially what I was doing. And I was interacting with them. And when I reflect back now on the, the downloads, the information that I would get, um, I know for certain that those were demons. It was a very terrifying thing to become aware of. I started to seek the truth. And if you're seeking the truth, what do you find at the end of it? You find Jesus, like every time. I followed this one girl and she was so brave and actually was documenting her transition in real time. She shared um, a piece of, of scripture. I am the way, I am the truth. No one can, can uh, get to the Father um, but through me. Here's this person, right, Jesus, claiming that he's the truth, he's the way. Why would he do that if it wasn't true? Like, you don't see people claiming that. Like, people don't claim that. And I, I just remember praying to God and saying, like, what am I doing? Like, what, what is the truth? Because I don't know what I believe anymore. Everything that I believed in is crumbling. You know, I just, I lost my best friend. I, I feel no peace. I went to him and I just said, you know, help me. Like, help me. I remember having, like, just this, this feeling of peace, like, wash over me. And um, I felt the presence of Jesus and 
I started crying and crying and crying and crying. Over the next like couple months after that, I shut down my business. Um, I was didn't have a job for a very long time. <laughs> I just got on my knees and asked for forgiveness because that's all I could that's all I could think to do. The grace that he offered me, like, and the love and the, the peace, like, I can't put it into words, you know? It's just, it's so beautiful to think of and, and to reflect on. You know, my life changed in a big way. Like, my whole life was revolved around a totally separate belief system in, like, a big way, you know? Like, to the point where my, my livelihood depended on it. For God to support me in the way that he has with this like new um, like living situation, with an amazing job, like a community, just the things that he's blessed me with is like, it just blows me away. Steph's story is amazing and moving, and God is at work. God is at work in our community, in our, in our hearts. And interesting with Steph, one of her dreams is to be able to go back to her community that she was a spiritual leader for and begin to tell them the story of Jesus. And so that's part of why she filmed that. She's going to put that on our social media page. So pray for Steph. But each of us has a story. Each of us has a story of how God brought us freedom for me, it was freedom from shame, freedom from anxiety, that I wasn't good enough. How has Jesus freed you? How can you, like Steph, tell your story to share the good news of Jesus with your neighbors and your friends, with those who are entrapped um, by sin and by oppression? As the story of Philip Philippi continues, we don't hear any more about this young girl, but we do hear about the reaction of her owners. And in verse 19, it says, when her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. When the kingdom of God breaks in, lives are disrupted. The way things are is disrupted. Paul and Silas are then arrested, they're beaten, they're thrown in prison. And this is a reminder to all of us who bring the good news of Jesus today that we may face opposition. And as we leave this short story behind to look at how CA Church is involved both locally and globally, I want you to remember these three things. The gospel reaches people from all walks of life. It offers holistic freedom and flourishing and as we share the good news, we should experience opposition. We've been sitting in the book of Acts since September, and we've been talking a lot here about the mission of Jesus. But even if we weren't reading Acts, you would still be hearing a lot about the mission of Jesus. And you can't be around CA Church for too long till you realize that advancing Jesus' mission is something that we are passionate about. And we're convinced that sharing the good news isn't just the work of pastors and church leaders. It's the responsibility of every follower of Jesus. And we as a church are united together, living together on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. 
We're committed to making disciples here and around the world. And when we, when we work, we prioritize where the need is the greatest and where the gospel is least likely to be heard. And we live out the gospel by addressing spiritual needs, but also physical needs and emotional needs of the community around us and in the world. So this morning, we're excited to share with you some of the ways CA Church has been involved in the last season. And if you're new, hopefully it'll give you an overview of some of the work we're doing. And if you're a seasoned veteran, update you on what's happened in the last season. Before I start, I want to just introduce our mission staff to you. Probably you're familiar with most of them. So you met Sonia this morning. She is the local outreach pastor. Also, there's Alyssa, who is our intercultural missions associate. You'll be hearing from her this morning as well. Mary Robertson, who or is the food pantry manager. And then Owen Benson, who is the food pantry organizer on Saturdays. And these are great staff, and I'm so privileged to be able to work with them. Currently, we have six areas that we are focused on. We're focused on with four global partners, Mexico, the Philippines, Zimbabwe, and the Middle East. And we're active in local missions, and we support a number of international workers connected to our church. Now, with our global partners, it's a priority to us to form a long-term relationship where we can encourage them and they can encourage us. And we work primarily with partners who are equipping national workers to build up local followers of Jesus to serve and to lead. So many of you may know we have a fund called the Missions Fund, where people direct their giving to. And the money from this fund is used for our local and global missions work. And I'd like to give you an overview of how the money from the Missions Fund was distributed in 2022. So over the COVID season, you were very generous and we received more money than we were able to distribute. And so we had a fairly large reserve going into 2022. Last year, we received close to 970,000 in the Missions Fund. Let's celebrate that. That, that is amazing. Yeah. And because of our surplus and the global need, we were actually able to distribute $1.2 million to local and global missions. That is unheard of for a church to be so generous. So let me show you where it was used. And so we, um, I've got, so you can see if you can read, it's very small writing, but I'll speak it out. 18% or about 220,000 went to projects with our global, global partners. These included ongoing costs for children's homes, a refuge for persecuted pastors and other building projects. 16% went to our work in the local pantry and these were mostly food costs. 14% to our missions operations, which includes administrative expenses and some of our mission staff salaries. 11% went to global food distribution in the Middle East, in Africa, in Mexico, and in the Philippines. And we provided food for as many as 400 children and families every month. 11% went to support our three refugee families. 10% went to support our international and local workers. 6% went to local ministries like Alpha, House of Omid, uh, the Cold Wet Weather Mat Program and our cultural ministries. 5% went to short-term missions, 
3% went to local recovery organizations like Hope for Freedom and Talitha Coombe. 3% went to families in need throughout our community, and 1.5% went to disaster relief, which was directed uh, to relief efforts for the war in Ukraine. So you can see from this list, we're very involved both locally and globally. And if you have any questions about our finances, please talk to me afterwards, I'll be in the foyer. So let's turn our attention away from the big picture to the different places we're working in around the world. So we work in Zimbabwe, and our partner there is the Village of Hope. They look after vulnerable children. We uh, cover the cost of one children's home, or some of the cost of one children's home, as well as distribute food in Tanzania and Burundi to children in need. We're sending a team there in July, and so you'll hear more about it later in the year. Second global partner is our global partner in the Middle East. We've been working there for many years. We've been working in Turkey and surrounding countries. And we've assisted in planting churches. We've established national leaders and pastors. We'd, we've worked with multiple people groups, the Kurdish, Yazidi, uh, Persian, Chaldean, Assyrian, and Arabic-speaking people. We've supported outreach to refugees and persecuted pastors. We've supported feeding programs in remote villages and internally displaced person camps, and we've sponsored refugees to come to Canada. In 2018, Pastor Mark and Diane went to an area we're calling north of Nineveh, and there they met a local pastor, and we began to explore partnering together. And we've been doing that over the last several years. But since January 22, along with some other churches in BC, we have been sending financial support for the outreach ministries of this local church. And what we send increases their ability to reach out to people in their area living in poverty. It enables them to provide food for approximately 80 to 100 families a month, or heating fuel for 25 families for two months, to religious minorities in remote villages uh, who are struggling financially as well as refugee camps. And through this care, the church is able to demonstrate the love of Jesus in practical ways. And I was able to head there with some Alliance pastors in November. It was an amazing trip. Uh, I got to know the pastor and his wife. And it's not just the pastor at work. His whole family, his wife and daughters, are also ministering. And his wife particularly ministers with minority religious women who have been traumatized when ISIL swept into the area. And so we're gonna see a short video right now that just tells a little bit about that work. And you're gonna see some pictures of concrete block homes. Those are located in one of the IDP camps they work in, and CA Church contributed to building those structures after a fire swept through the camp and they lost their tent homes. So let's turn our attention to the screen. Good morning, my name is Marty Duffel-Smith and I'm one of the pastors here and I'm leading missions at CA Church. Last December, CA Church gave to a missions project in the Middle East. This country is torn apart by war, by the occupation of ISIL, a terrorist group, and by internal conflict. And the project is aimed at providing support for villages and refugee camps in an area we are calling North of Nineveh. This is an area where there are very few faithful followers of Jesus, and a modern city is surrounded by desperate poverty of religious minority groups. 
In November, I was able to travel with a group of pastors and leaders from our denomination to meet with our partners on the ground. There were many amazing things on the trip, but a highlight for me was the day we spent in a couple of remote villages. The pastor arranged with the local mayor to bring kerosene for heating the homes of these impoverished villagers. Some of the money for this kerosene was provided by the financial gifts of people here at CA Church. And as we walked through the villages, we were greeted with great joy. People who were envisioning a very cold winter were assured that for at least two months, they could heat their homes. And so villagers came out with water and with bread and with pomegranates to thank us and the pastor who cares for these villages. Now with help from our church and other organizations, this pastor has been able to work in almost 30 similar villages surrounding his city. And for years he's brought food, kerosene, he's provided tuition and buses to take their children to school. He calls these gifts keys, keys to open the door and share the good news of Jesus. And when we gather together in his church on Sunday, you can see the fruit of his work with many followers of Jesus from different religious and ethnic backgrounds gathering to worship Jesus together. Our hope is to continue to be involved in what God is doing in this area of the world. Please pray for this work, for Doris to continue to open for this church and the safety of its pastor. In the fall, we're hoping to take a team there we're particularly looking for women who are trained hairdressers, makeup artists, or counselors, and people who could offer dental or medical services. If you have skills in any of these areas, we'd love you to join us, so please contact me. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you I have not met before, my name is Alyssa, and I am the Intercultural Missions Associate, which basically means that I work in global missions and have for a few years now. And so as much as we are excited to hear about the Middle East, we are going to continue traveling this morning to our next global partner in Mexico. And now I know that many of you have been here longer than me and I'm sure are very familiar with Mexico, but I just thought for some of you who are new this morning, we might spend a little bit talking about um, sort of the history of Mexico and then give you an update on what happened there this past year. So we have partnered with Taramahar Ministries for over 20 years. The founder of Taramahar Ministries is Pastor Tomas, who I'm sure you recognize, and he also happens to be the president of the Alliance Church in Mexico. Taramahara Ministries was born many years ago when Pastor Tomas heard on the group of, uh, heard on the news, sorry, about a group of indigenous people known as the Tarahumara who lived in the Copper Canyon of Northern Mexico. They were dying of hunger and hypothermia and statistics were staggering. At the time, the average life expectancy was only 45 years old and 50% of children were dying before the age of 10. It was then and there that the Lord spoke to pastor's heart, saying that he loved the Taramahara, but his church was doing very little for them. And so Pastor Tomas headed to the mountains to see the reality of the situation, and it was there the dream of reaching the Taramahara with the gospel and other tribes, such as the Pima and Guadajiros, was born. So since then, obviously, many short-term teams have gone out from CA to visit the Copper Canyon, and numerous projects have been funded through the support of CA Church. And I know that you guys hear lots about Mexico throughout the year, but I just wanted to share briefly a little bit about what we support. And so we help to fund the operations of the boarding school there, and we coordinate their only child sponsorship program. 
We help with care of orphan children. We also help to provide education to the children. And we offer feeding programs for both the kids and other local communities. We've supported various building projects, so things such as homes and ministry outreach centers, churches, and we recently renovated solar panels that we had originally installed as electricity is not a thing there. Um, and one of our biggest desires is to support church plants and evangelism. So I'm happy to report this morning that right now there are three operating churches in the Copper Canyon that CA has been a part of planting. And so this leads us to our support um, to pastors, local pastors and workers. And so one of the philosophies of CA missions is to partner with humility and to equip national leaders on the ground. And we do this because we acknowledge that they are the experts of their own culture and community, so they know best how to reach them with the gospel. Because of this, each year, CA is committed to supporting national pastors or workers who have sacrificed their lives to share Jesus with unreached people groups. And so if you look to the screen, you'll see some of the pastors that we support monthly from all over Mexico, and many of them pastor their own churches as well as act um, as missionaries to neighboring states. And this is especially true of the indigenous pastors that we support. And so for those of you who don't know, there are actually over 68 indigenous tribes in Mexico. And in most recent years, it has become Pastor Tomas's other dream to reach them all with the gospel. And today so far, Pastor Tomas and his team have reached over 12 tribes. And again, CA Church has partnered alongside his ministry to support many of those. Unfortunately, in almost every tribe, there is a common thread, and that is that persecution towards Christian is strong. The Christians in these areas understand sacrifice, and they know that the cost for them to share the love of God with others is high. And so, as Marty mentioned earlier, it's why we've committed to building a house of refuge in Jalisco, as many of the new believers there who put their trust in God are then kicked out of their communities. And sadly, another common occurrence is that then these same individuals are not allowed to share in the community's food resources. I'm sure many of you remember Diane telling the story of how those in the Hamatsi tribe pretended like they were collecting grasshoppers to feed to their animals, but truthfully, they were collecting them for themselves to eat. And this is why the money we send each month for feeding programs in these areas is so important. And so to transition, I'm sure many of you remember, one of our mission of the months was an indigenous conference. Um, and this is where our Mexico partners were able to host a conference for all of the indigenous pastors working in these areas. Now under regular circumstances, these pastors would never be able to afford to attend a conference or receive any sort of formal education. And so when Pastor and Brenda last visited Canada, I actually asked Brenda to share with me about the conference. And she said that one of the most frequent things she heard from the pastors who attended was how encouraged they felt by one another. Many had felt very isolated in the suffering they were experiencing as they were living God's call on their lives, and most couldn't comprehend that there were other pastors who were sharing in their same experiences, just living in a different region of Mexico. Many of them even committed, uh, committed sorry, to fasting together from afar once they returned home. So it was super inspiring to hear. We're gonna transition now a little bit to something else that is unique about our partnership with Mexico, and it's super exciting, and that is that in the past few years, both of our campus churches, so at Town Center and Rail City, have adopted an area of Mexico to partner alongside. So you'll see on the screen that Town Center is partnered in Ensenada, and Rail City is partnering with Chiapas. And both campuses have committed to supporting different outreaches and projects in these areas, and both are now sending out short-term mission teams as well. 
And so if you keep them in your prayers, Real City is just about to send out their first team to Chiapas next week. Lastly, I'd just like to share a bit of a praise item with you all. Um, many of you know when we first encountered the Taramahara people, so in the Copper Canyon, there was very little joy. Their lifestyle was hard, abuse was rampant, starvation was common, and few people would make eye contact with you. I know that women even used to hide their smiles when they laughed, and there was no word for love in their culture. So now, when we travel down to the canyon and we see women laughing and participating in ministry events with us, it feels like such a miracle and a testament to God's goodness. And so another area where this change is so evident is in the children. Um, and we consider it a success that when these children graduate, many of them are returning home to Christian communities. Some even go on to post-secondary schools in the bigger cities. And so today I'd like to celebrate Juana, if she appears on the screen there. Um, and Juana attended the Guacaibo boarding school from kindergarten all the way to high school. And she is now 20 years old and living with her family in the Copper Canyon. She's actually the daughter of the very first local Christian pastor in this area named Domingo. And what's amazing is that Juana herself now wants to be a pastor. And when we were there last summer, she spoke about how she was going to attend theological training in Ensenada. And for me, at least, really, there are just no words to describe how amazing it is to see children growing up with dreams and aspirations to serve God. I think she might become a worship pastor, actually. <laughs> All right, so I could share so much more on Mexico, but we're gonna keep moving and travel to our next global partner in the Philippines. Um, and I'm just gonna talk briefly about the two organizations that we partner there um, with, and that is Metro World Child and Gentle Hands. I'm sure many of you are familiar with these groups. Um, Gentle Hands is actually the organization that took over Baby Ann's Orphanage that was founded through CA. And so both organizations predominantly do ministry with children. Uh, you have Reet, who leads on the ground with Metro, and Charity, who is the director of Gentle Hands. And for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with Metro World Child, they reach, country, uh, they reach sorry, children in many countries in urban slum areas, and they do this through their child sponsorship program and their food hampers. And last year, CA actually sent $25,000 to be used for food distribution in Manila. And something else that Metro does really well is they facilitate large group VBS programs. And if you've ever seen it in person, there's really nothing like it. They're so structured. They, they travel in this little van into the thickest areas of poverty, and they work with hundreds of kids at a time to share lessons of God's love for them and of their value and worth. And the other organization we partner with in the Philippines is Gentle Hands. And for me at least, there are very few words to describe the impact of this organization and the devotion of their director, Charity. Gentle Hands has two locations and they provide holistic rescue and rehabilitation for medical, social, educational needs to more than 100 at-risk babies, children, and youth. And they also facilitate many in and out of country ad adoptions. And something I think that's special about Gentle Hands is they really place a large emphasis on adoption for older children. Um, and something else that really strikes me about Gentle Hands is they accept every child, even if they have health challenges or are dis different disabilities. Um, and that's because they view each child with the same uh, view as God places on them. 
And so Charity has shared many powerful testimonies of fighting for medical care and then sitting with dying children who have no one else in this world while holding and praying for them all night long. And so we just ask that you continue to be in prayer for the Philippines. Um, Charity is always asking for prayer for these children that, you know, God would turn their struggle and their sadness into joy. And so now we're gonna transition to local missions. Are your hearts full? God is at work all over, and I'm just so excited that we get to be a part of that. And if God's stirring even something in your heart as you see that, um, pay attention to that. He calls us all to be on mission, and I'm excited to share with you a bit of what God has been up to through CA in local missions. And I want to start with the heartbeat of local missions, and that's that we desire that every person at CA engages in mission by loving others, by helping those in need, and by serving our community. And I'm so thankful to dive into just a little glimpse of how we're doing that this morning. And I'm gonna highlight five different areas that we're serving in as a church, but the list isn't exhaustive here. I just didn't ask you to pack a lunch. So I hope you thank me for that, but the conversation can continue beyond today. So the food pantry, our community response fund, refugee sponsorship, cars ministry, and our temporary winter shelter. And so let's park at the food pantry. Um, This past year, we were able to serve over 250 families. Yes, that is exciting. (laughs) And we... (laughs) Because of your generosity of your finances, of your time to serve, we have people stocking shelves, we have people sitting and drinking coffee or tea with our guests from all ages. We just thank you for partnering with Jesus so that these families can be cared for. I love that at the beginning we saw Sarah and you know, we've we've been around the globe and and we're serving people like Sarah, we're serving people like you and me, those in the grind of the Tri-Cities, this is what we get to do here locally. And I wanna just highlight, one of our guests recently shared a story that she was in a, found herself in a place where she needed to access emergency food services. And she was really humbled by that. I'm not sure if you've ever had to do that or have heard of someone doing that, but it's this challenge between your mind of, of this, there could be shame in that, of like, oh, I have to ask for help. And as she was toying with this and saying, well, do I go to the food pantry and ask? She stuck, she, because the need was there, she did. And what she encountered was a room full of people just welcoming her, asking her how she's doing. And immediately that shame disappeared and she could freely go and shop and get her groceries for what she needed. And I think that that's the heart just of the pantry, not just the practical need of food, although we're so thankful we get to do it, but the heart of it is that people would know that they're seen as Jesus sees them and that they would encounter him. And so we're just so thankful for that. And I'm happy to report that two weeks later, this same guest was praying for another guest at the food pantry. And so we see how this can multiply. And I do believe that there's so much more that God has for us there. And so what a gift to partner with God in that as a church. Now, you may already know, but actually some of the funds that come for the food pantry is through our community response fund. And if you've been around at CA, and I'm still playing the new card, okay, because I think I'm only on week six here, but we take a rhythm of collecting an offering once a month that goes towards our community response fund. And some of those funds are allocated so that we can provide food, but not just any type of food, we actually get the luxury of serving people food that they actually will eat. And we have partnered with House of Omid and we're really thankful for that partnership that opens doors for us to be able to have cultural items that people can actually be excited about. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had rose water, but I love that. I, I was introduced to that recently, but I love to see people just being excited about like, oh, you thought about this for me. And so that's just that intentionality and that welcome that we can do. And so I've also heard of a few of you, the parents in the crowd who have talked about your kiddos and that they give of their allowance or their birthday money to the community response fund so that people can continue to eat in the Tri-Cities. Isn't that incredible? There's room for young and old to stay on mission with Jesus. And so if that is something that you feel in your heart to give for the Community Response Fund, you can do so in our normal ways of giving online, in person, or when you hear the call on that Sunday once a month, you come prepared, ready, so that these families in the Tri-Cities, we can help them in emergency needs, but also care for their practical food needs. And I believe that as we do it, the Tri-Cities are forever being changed. Can you believe that with me? (laughs) That because of God's generosity, these cities are being transformed and finding more and more hope and ultimately Jesus. Another way we continue to serve locally has been through our refugee sponsorship. And I love to hear that as a church since 2018, we have been able to sponsor 11 families and partner with other churches as well to help settle uh, families that are looking for refuge that are looking for safety, that are looking for hope. And so because we've been able to do that, I wanna introduce to you Milad and Sona. So I'm gonna call you guys up here. And if you haven't met them yet, please do, because uh, you want to get to know them. But they are our latest family to arrive, and I'm gonna give you guys the microphone, and they're gonna share with us personally what it, yeah, you guys can give it up for them. (laughs) Thank you. And they're going to share with us just a bit of their life before coming to Canada and what it was like to be a believer in Iran. And and we'll just go a little bit of a journey there so you guys can get to know them a bit. So go for it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Because of time, I explain very quickly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, 14 years ago, uh, God touched my heart and I became a Christian in Iran. Uh, I started to go to underground church because... Christianity is forbidden in Iran. And Iranian government always looking and searching for Christian people, for underground uh, churches, and they arrest people, they put on the jail, they torture them. Uh, yes, I stay on church, in church for four years. I learn, I serve new believers, but after that, uh, they arrest all of our members, 12 person in church, and. Uh, after one week, when we were in jail, uh, I had to go, I had to leave Iran, and I went to Turkey. Uh, Christianity in, in Iran is really hard because of uh, government, but in same time is really sweet because in difficult time, in hard time, uh, you can make a really sweet relationship with God. Yeah. Thank you, Milad. Yeah. <laughs> And now you are in Canada, and why don't you share with us a bit of what that's been like? Hello. Um, As you heard, uh, we had a long-term heart situation, but now uh, it's six months that we are here in Canada, and uh, I am very happy that God chose CH Church. God chose every one of you to help us in this way, and uh, we really have a a wonderful family here. We feel safe and uh, God opens a new season in our life. 
Thanks Thank so you. much, Sona. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give it up again for me, Lana Sona? Thank you. And again, you guys just got a snippet, so I encourage you, get to know them more. <laughs> We're all part of a family, and we get to learn from each other, and so I just welcome you to do that. One final area that I want to touch on that we are serving locally as a church is through the temporary winter shelter, which you could know as the Cold Wet Weather Map Program. And this is a partnership that we have with BC Housing and other organizations where we open up our facilities for a portion of our homeless community to have a safe space to sleep overnight. Now we did this last year in February and we averaged about 25 people that were able to stay here in the building overnight. And guess what? We're gonna open up our doors again coming this March. And so here is my ask. How do we continue to serve in locally? If this is something that you're like, oh, I'd like to step into or I wanna continue to partner in, head to our website on our events page. We're looking for people to come and help with breakfast or packing lunches for this community that we get to serve or maybe you're unable to due to scheduling, there's ways to donate winter clothing or food items that we're gonna need. So it's gonna be open for the whole month of March and I would love for you to join us on that. Now again, this is only a glimpse and the conversation continues as we continue to journey with Jesus. And so a few of us will be out in the foyer and so if there's something else that you're wondering about, please feel free to reach out. We would just love to continue to partner with you. And um, thanks again for all your generosity. So as we move to closing our presentation, I just want to remind you that at CA, at CA Church, everyone is called to be involved in mission, together on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And so I want to invite you to get involved. And there's four ways you can get involved. The first way is through prayer. We, um, we have a monthly prayer list you can sign up for while you're, you're you will hear about the needs of our partners, but we also have a monthly prayer meeting Wednesdays, first Wednesday of the month at 5.30, just back there. Please join us. You can join on Zoom or you can join in person. Second thing I want to invite you to do is serve. You, we have, there's so many needs in our city. There's lots of ways to serve. You can serve by being a soccer coach or by joining your school parent group or joining your condo board. You can also serve here. You can serve locally and there's opportunities. So go head to the back and you can find out some of the ways you can serve here. Thirdly, go. Go on mission. You can be on mission in your own neighborhood, in your workplace, as you share your story of how Jesus has brought freedom in your life. Invite a friend to Alpha. Also, you can go on a short-term trip. We've still got short-term trips that you can head off to this year. So we're you can still sign up for trips to Mexico, to Zimbabwe, and to the Middle East. We'd love you to join us. And finally, give. So I want to highlight a particular need we have in missions this year. Remember, last year, our, our giving was strong. Again, we hit 30000 short of a million dollars. This is remarkable. That's a huge number. But we sent out more than we got in. We sent out 1.2 million. And part of the reason for this was that God brought opportunities our way. A global food crisis, three new refugee families, and growing food needs in our own community. 
And this year, our hope is that we continue to give to those needs for our own pantry families, for our global partners, their projects and feeding programs. And we'd like to sponsor another refugee family. Not only that, we're sending out five to six short-term mission teams, and we want to continue to support our international workers. And so as we start this year, we want to continue to move the ball forward with our global partners. And there's so much need overseas and locally. And so in order to continue to give, we need to receive about $1.17 million this year. That's an increase of $200,000 to meet these needs. And this is a big ask, but we've seen God provide before. And as we step out in faith, let's, let's trust that God will provide. I wanna make a note, if you want to give the best way that you can give is to give to our general missions fund. Um, if you go online, you can see that fund and that gives us some flexibility. If new needs come up, if something happens in our partner, we have the flexibility to give to those things. Occasionally we'll ask to get you to give to a specific project and we really appreciate that when you do as well. Many of you here have given so sacrificially and we are so thankful that for that. And so if you're already giving to the missions fund, we ask you just continue to give as the Lord leads. But some of you here have never given to the missions fund and we're looking for 200 new partners this year in order to meet that $200,000. And so what, the, what this might look like is I wanna invite you to prayerfully consider how you might join. Uh, with CA missions this year. And maybe you're a student and you can only give 300 a month. Someone who's new to Canada came up to me and said, oh, she thinks she can do that. And that's amazing. Some of you maybe are just starting to work and you can give $50 a month. And maybe some of you have been really blessed by God financially and you can give $300 a month. And maybe you can't give monthly, but you can give one time, maybe when your tax return comes in. We just invite you to prayerfully ask God how he would have you to be involved this year. And as we conclude this morning, I just wanna express our gratefulness to this church and to God for enabling us to be part of such an exciting mission opportunity that we've had in CA. And so let's just close in prayer and then John will lead us in a song. Jesus, we thank you that your mission brings freedom, that your mission brings flourishing. We thank you for the places around the world right now where you are establishing your kingdom, where you are conquering evil and sin and bringing life. And so God, we ask that you will continue to give us an opportunity to join with you, to be a part of what you're doing here in the Tri-Cities and around the world. Open our hearts, show us how you would have us involved. We, we thank you for the ways you provided financially. We thank you for our amazing partners and we ask that you will continue to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.